The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. The recent spate of attacks and antisocial behaviour in our urban centres has prompted us to ask why is it happening? Why are the perpetrators likely to be young men? What's the brain chemistry behind it? Well, I'm joined by Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College in Dublin, consultant psychiatrist at Talla University Hospital, Brendan Kelly. Brendan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, I'm sure you've been thinking about all of this, as all of us have. Why is it happening? Is it something new? Is it something novel? Or is it something that's just garnering publicity because of the nature of two recent attacks? I think this is something that has intensified, although the, you know, if you like, the underlying causes have been there. You mentioned brain development and brain chemistry there. And we know these kinds of crimes and this antisocial behaviour is most common in teens and people in their early 20s. And, you know, the fact is that the human brain has not matured until the mid-20s. The front part, the frontal lobes, the bit just inside the forehead, it governs our regulation of behaviour, our responses, you know, dampening down the immediate impulses. And that is the skill set that is not fully developed and tends to contribute to this kind of Mm. behaviour. Now, obviously, there are loads of people in their teens and 20s who don't do this. So there are other factors, but that certainly is one of them, the not yet fully mature brain leading to activities Mm. such as this. Now, we know and we've talked about it before, um, the the risk taking of the young who don't have a a kind of a life perspective to see how some behaviour is absolutely you know, terrifyingly risky and can ruin their lives. You know, a criminal conviction means you never go to the United States, for instance, Um, those kind of things. But when you see uh, random acts of violence which are committed by groups of people, what's going on there? Because is that about risk taking or is, is there something else going on? Well, there's, there's been a good deal of research about this, and there are two levels here, Pat. There's the individual level, and then there's, if you like, society. But if, if you look at the, the person themselves or the group, some of the psychological things going on is, is what's called successful enactment. In other words, this is something that these young people can do, if you like, in, in, often in a life where there isn't a lot of other achievement or there isn't a lot of other power, there isn't a lot of other uh, things that they can successfully complete, but engaging in an act of violence, uh, uh, you know, uh, theft perhaps, or, you know, seeing fear in a victim's face as well has been identified as one of the reasons why people do this. And it's to do with uh, what's called successful enactment. In other words, that this is something these people can do um, and there isn't a, a large number of other things that they're stru- the structure of their life that leads them to this. And there's also the buzz and the excitement as well as the status that happens within a group following the uh, successful, as it were, successful achievement of uh, some street violence or antisocial behaviour. So there is things to do with the person, but also the group that they're hanging out with. And that group dynamic is is something uh, that is probably worth exploring in a little more depth. The idea that maybe there's one perpetrator using the protection of the group and sometimes we see one perpetrator starts it and then all the rest of them join in. 
Yes. So it's partly to do with group belonging and partly to do with status within the group. And also sometimes this sense of justice that groups have that operates entirely separately, if you like, to the criminal justice system uh, or having their own standards in parallel with what other people might have. What's probably important here, Pat, is to ask ourselves, how do these psychological factors give a pathway in, you know, or things that could happen to try and reduce the consequences or reduce the occurrence of this kind of behaviour. And one of them, of course, is giving these young people something else to achieve, uh, be it something in like, um, say, in in sports or or academically or in work or something like that, where they can get a sense of accomplishment in a way that is pro-social as opposed to Mm anti-social. Now, all of this is not to suggest for a minute that people are not responsible for their own behaviours. They certainly are. And there does need to be policing and criminal justice. But maybe at a broad broader level, looking at the the landscape in which these happen can help with prevention. Now, in the scenarios where you have a group of uh, people, you know, two different kinds of policing, there's, uh, if you like, draconian policing, grab them, snatch them, lock them up, get them off the streets. And then there's the talk them down kind of policing where, you know, the police man or police woman uh, negotiates with them, if you like, to defuse a situation. Um, Which is best? Well, the Gardaí are walking an almost impossible line in these kinds of situations, trying to enforce order and justice, which is necessary, but also trying not to inflame situations. And I think maybe some of the the best um, policing that I've seen on the street are when the Gardaí just managed to slow everything down. And I think many of us will have seen this when maybe two Gardaí sort of have a long, drawn-out conversation or sort of stand around for a long period and, and somehow bring the temperature down. But there certainly is a role for, 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 you know, for, for the harder model as well, because these acts do need to be punished. Um, but that must be in parallel with, with some kind of other more social process, a planning process, maybe even looking at the urban environment, alternative outlets for these competitive energies and alternative ways for these young people to achieve something in their lives that is helpful rather than harmful. Um, You know, we are all connected in nature and we talk about fight or flight and, and this is often the way in nature. If you can get away without engaging, you do. You know, if you're prey to some animal, if you can escape, uh, if you're a wildebeest being pursued, if you can escape, it's better than trying to uh, combat the lion. It just, you know, you, you, you're not going to win. Um, but, you know, random antagonistic behaviour, what begets that? You know, because ah, that's well, not fight or flight. I mean, you fight in defence of something, whether it's your family or your own person. Uh, you flee if you can, but just random antagonism. Well, this is a mix of impulsivity and then sensation seeking, looking, looking to looking to, if you like, feel something or to achieve something in the moment. So, for example, some of these uh, street offenders talk about the excitement of seeing fear in a victim's face, and then their own fear that potentially the victim might attack them back. Now, that sense of if you like, uh, engagement or aliveness or excitement or impulsivity, sensation seeking is what drives a lot of this rather than the 
if you like, the, whatever is stolen. Mm. It's that it's that engagement that tends to give the uh, the adrenaline mm. adrenaline rush in these cases. Now we're always told that young men develop more slowly, their brains uh, develop more slowly than uh, girls' brains. But uh, you know, why are males more likely to offend in this way? And you know, women might feel the same need, young women, uh, to achieve something in their lives, but it's not beating people over the head. So where do they find it? Do they find it in relationships or, or where? Well, it's it's certainly very different between uh, men and women. And of course, men, uh, we you know, testosterone is intrinsically more aggressive, if you like. And also uh, men are simply bigger physically. And so men are more likely to achieve something when they're physically violent. And this leads to a cycle of reinforcement. Um, and, and I mean, th- that is the real problem. And again, the question is, how does this lead to a way in here? So one of the initiatives we see in lots of inner city areas is uh, sport and particularly boxing, which has always interested me as a as a social way to discharge some of these impulses, to, to sublimate some of this aggression without uh, bringing it onto the streets. And certainly that's that's one one way one way into it. The amount of street violence committed by women is considerably less and is often more part of a group rather than a a, a single or, or or two people and tends to involve less mm. violence. But uh, the the problem is violent men, as it is in so many parts of life. I'll read you some of the WhatsApps and texts. As a society, we're not interested in the brain chemistry of these thugs. We want zero tolerance and meaningful consequences for perpetrators of this antisocial behaviour. We're losing our capital city to gangland. Our country is awash with cocaine, all the while our minister is trying to decide what constitutes hate to appease the liberal elites. We need a serious wake-up call. I suggest that parents are partly responsible for children until their mid-twenties and therefore should face the law for their kids' irresponsible acts. That's from Johnny. Surely the elephant in the room in this discussion is the family environment of the young men committing the crime. Your guest sounds like he's medicalising societal issues. What about the parents and childhoods of these young men? Another one, I suspect substance abuse has a lot to do with antisocial behaviour. The solution has to be three-pronged. We need to look at stopping this behaviour, repeating in 10, uh, in 12, 20, 30 years, set up proper intervention programmes, resources and activities, proper education around phone use and access. We also need more consequences, as we seem to have none. And then we need rehabilitation, so it's not a non-stop life in prison, repeat offences and a huge issue uh, of the revolving door, I suppose, and a consequence for the parents of these thugs. Everyone deserves a second chance, but I'm sure not a third or a fourth. Uh, final one, arm the police. You don't see this sort of disgusting behaviour happening over in Spain, where there's a highly visible police force walking the streets with their hand on their weapons, and uh, the teenagers wouldn't dare open their mouths. So uh, a number of reactions there, Brendan. Yeah, no, very interesting. And the idea of zero tolerance is interesting. I mean, it, it simply doesn't happen. And um, we do need, you know, robust responses and responsibility at the individual level, criminal charges pressed where appropriate. The point about substance misuse is incredibly important. Very, very true, particularly cocaine, which in which the country is indeed awash. And also the point about holding parents responsible for the behaviour of young adults is interesting. But I guess a lot of parents out there will say that they 
don't feel they can control someone over the age of 18 years or indeed below that at times. Um, there is a generational problem with regard to family, the family environment. I certainly agree we shouldn't over-medicalise this. But how far back does one go if one blames the parent of a a teenager or a young adult, one will inevitably find that their parents in turn face various mm. difficulties or problems in the home. So while that, that point is certainly true, it's a little difficult to know um, how this leads to an right. intervention. Brendan, thank you very much for joining us. Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College Dublin, Consultant Psychiatrist at Tala University Hospital. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.